All right, what if there was someone who wanted to help you find a job? Choose Express Employment Professionals, and that is exactly what you're going to get. They can help you find work in any industry. With just one interview at Express, you have a connection to endless jobs. Whether you want a contract job, a new full-time role, or a summer job, choose Express Employment Professionals. Express has more than 860 locally owned locations and no fees for job seekers. Visit ExpressPros.com today to find a location near you. Summer is upon us, and whatever you have going on, a vacation, a staycation, a summer wedding, well, Macy's has you covered. If you need summer dresses, matching sets, volume sleeve tops, wedges, straw-crafted bags, I mean, really, they have what you need head to toe. I'm talking Levi's, Dolce Vita, Lacoste, and more. So shop summer must-haves at Macy's. Go to Macy's.com slash style. Again, that's Macy's.com slash style. Something I for sure love having in my home is super clean countertops. And I love when it smells good too. So you can bring the vacation vibes to your home with coconut scented Clorox Sentiva. It smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy with a refreshing scent that'll transform your space into a tropical island retreat and give you a powerful clean. No plane ticket required. Unleash your self-expression with the enchanting coconut fragrance of Clorox Sentiva. You can get yours at a nearby retail store, also available in grapefruit or lavender scents. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Life ain't always pretty, but hey, it's pretty beautiful thing. Laugh a little more thing. Tight, tighten up your core thing. Said EK, you're kicking it with four things. With Amy Brown. Happy Thursday, Four Things fam. I'm excited because today we have a relationship expert on, and we're going to talk about a lot of things, but I'm very excited about talking about finding the real me, or at least getting some thoughts around that, about setting boundaries, but with kindness, handling conflict, and then we'll also get into gratitude. And right now I'm sitting across from therapist, professor, speaker, author, podcast host, all the things, Dr. Alexandra Solomon. So thank you for being our guest today. Thank you for having me, Amy. I've been looking forward to this. I have as well. I feel like Tapping into my true self is something that I've been trying to do for a little bit, or at least I sit in therapy and, you know, my therapist will ask me, well, what is your, what is your truth? Or what are you really feeling about that? Or why is it so hard to make this decision? And (laughs) it's almost like, because I don't know if I trust myself, is this decision going to be the right one or should I do this other decision? And she's given me exercises to help work that muscle. Yeah. Like small decisions for myself, like 
ordering from a menu without getting anybody else's opinion at the table of what they're eating or going into my closet and just picking out an outfit for an event without asking any friends their thoughts on it. Just trying to trust myself that I can make decisions for myself and then eventually that could lead to bigger things. But anyway, that all has to do with tapping into me and who am I and what am I about and who do I want? And I know you have thoughts on finding the real me or finding the real you. So I would love for you to take the stage and and give us your whole, what you want to emphasize when it comes to those of us that are chasing that. Okay, good. Well, first of all, cheers to your therapist. I love those practices. You know, it's those, sometimes we feel like therapy ought to be, you know, these big aha moments where there's like the tears come rushing forward and it all makes sense. And we have the answers, but I think what we're going to kind of work through in this conversation is that so many of our truths are local and they're little, and they're just kind of figured out moment by moment. And so when, when your therapist is asking you to do these little practices of like sitting with a menu really mindfully and just tuning in to something within you, it's little in that it's happening in a little moment, but, but it is, it's meaningful. I think sometimes we feel disconnected from something authentic inside of ourselves because we make a decision feel like it's a declaration of the sum total of who we are. When in reality, I believe that our self is incredibly dynamic. It is forever unfolding. And that any one decision isn't like the declaration of who we are, that we get to kind of like fumble and try something and then you know, get, you know, collect some data. Okay. So I, I made this decision. I headed in this direction, but by heading in this direction, what became clear to me was this didn't work for me, or I overpromised, or it was a decision that was made by, you know, something that reflects an old wound in me that I, now that I'm healing it, I realize I actually don't need this in my life the way I thought I did. So it is sometimes in making the decision and starting down one path that we learn. So I'm here for grace. I'm here for pivoting. I'm here for seeing ourself as continuing to evolve and unfold. So I wouldn't, you're not ever going to hear me talk about like the real me. I might talk about authenticity or a compassionate experience of self, but something about like finding the real me, it feels like too perfectionistic. You know, it's like getting to this destination where everything makes sense and we no longer make mistakes and everything feels clear. And I just, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'll get there when I'm like 80, but I'm not there yet. So I don't want to expect other people to be there either. I feel like I've heard people define someone else as like they really know who they are and they're totally dialed in. And I've been envious of that, but maybe knowing who they are, I mean, I don't know the details of what that statement means if someone else is saying it, but I've always, like I said, just been a little bit like, oh, I want someone to think that I know who I am and I'm secure in who I am. But I love that you're giving us this permission to flow and who we Mm -hmm. are is ever changing. And when you were talking, I had that scene of and friends where they're carrying the couch and they're like, pivot, pivot. (laughs) So that is our daily life. It may be day to day, hour by hour. We may pivot in where we are and and who we are. I love the idea of us though, continuing to grow the ability to, to, to listen to ourselves, right? So that then maybe a decision that's in front of me isn't easy, 
but I at least feel like I can anchor into some processes for how I quiet down, how I feel as I'm making the decision so that there's maybe more clarity or a bit more ease or a bit more trust, which I was what I was hearing you say. But I don't know that that is the same thing as saying that I've discovered my real self. I think it's I've honed a set of tools that helps me listen to myself a bit more clearly so that my yeses feel like yeses and my noes feel like no, and that I can, you know, I can feel a little bit more steady in that. I'm here for that, for sure. For sure. Because I think especially those of us who grew up as girls and women, you know, so much of how we get socialized as girls and women is about being nice. It is about like not rocking the boat. It's about not being too greedy, not taking too much, um, making sure that everybody else around us is comfortable. So I do think there's something just about how we are socialized that can really make us lose touch with a process for decision-making that starts with what do I want? How do I feel when I'm moving towards something that is aligned and juicy and feels good? Because we spend so darn much time trying to make the right choice or the nice choice or the convenient choice. So I do think that is very often, I know that I've been in my own process of that certainly for a long time around like, how do I choose things that really light me up or that work well for me? instead of running the analysis of like what everybody else thinks I should be doing. I think that that to me oftentimes feels like a gendered experience that lots of girls and women struggle with. Why do you think some people, me included at times in my life, cling to labels? Like they want to uh, put themselves in this category and label themselves as this. And is it a comfort thing? Yeah, that's interesting. One of the indicators of a less than healthy family system is that they will describe like this kid is the smart kid. And this kid is the athletic kid. And this kid is the good girl. And this kid is the wild child. And this kid, you know, like families that are families that are struggling do that. Like they will put kids into roles and oftentimes then that role becomes a truth. So if I was the good kid, then I learned that the way I belong in my family is by being the good kid. I have to then choose things that make everybody else happy. I have to make sure that I'm not being selfish because my family told me from the time I was, you know, this big that I'm the good kid. And in fact, I have to be the good kid because my sibling is the wild child. And then the other sibling is the, you know, whatever, whatever. So I have to be the good kid to keep everything going steady and clicking along. So I think oftentimes that role becomes like it was a role that we had in our family system because our our parents for whatever reason needed us to be a particular way because they were having a hard time or they were you know struggling in their own ways so our family needed us to be a certain way and then we didn't we didn't like learn to flex those other kinds of muscles so that's the thing i most often see is like the label very often is the label that our family has given us. Mm. And that then comes with some gifts, right? Because good girls oftentimes grow up to be whatever, awesome team members or very, very good students. Or, But then there are some parts of self that didn't get to develop. Um, or the wild child, the one who is considered to be like the wild child, the difficult one. They may end up being incredibly creative, right? Or they may kind of... Um, 
be able to take an organization in a different direction because they aren't rule bound, but then like at what cost, like then do they, do they feel like they can't be steady? They can't be experienced as trustworthy. So I, my big message to parents is just to really, really resist the urge to stick a label on your kid's head. I think we can celebrate lots of different aspects of who our kids are and allow our kids to show up in different ways. Sometimes they're wild and sometimes they're quiet and sometimes they work hard and sometimes they slack off, like just to kind of stay present to letting our kids be all different kinds of ways. But that's what, that's what we are as people, right? We're messy. We don't, we don't fit neatly into boxes as you were just saying. Well, you know, you mentioned like, if you put the label on you, like you're the kind one and Mm -hmm. don't rock the boat. And this is just not like when it comes to, I think of you know, setting boundaries, since we're going to talk about that too, oftentimes setting boundaries for me was new and it was difficult and it was hard about, I guess maybe it was last year I had to set a boundary on something that really for someone else might not have been a big deal at all, but I was hyperventilating in my car. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. not that I was, I don't think I was, you know, labeled the kind child in any way, but I just, I don't know where that came from that I just often want to just keep it path of least resistance. Yes. Just, uh-huh. you know, you mentioned convenience earlier. We go that route and I'm like, okay, well, you know what? It's probably not that big of a deal if this happens because then I don't want to deal with what happens right. if I say no to this or whatever. So mm-hmm. let's talk about setting boundaries with kindness. And I know this is something that a lot of people are trying to navigate because it's it's been a conversation for some people for a while, but I feel like I see it yeah. more and more, I guess maybe because Instagram does that and different things. Maybe that's my algorithm. <laughs> boundaries keeps popping up in my feed. <laughs> but talk to us about boundaries. Yeah. Well, your example is such a good one about where this thing that wasn't, you know, wasn't quote unquote a very big deal, but you were hyperventilating in your car. So the first thing I want to say about boundaries is that for you, it was a big deal, right? And so very often we make a hard thing harder by saying to ourselves, it shouldn't be this hard or somebody else wouldn't have a hard time with it versus like that cue from your body, like the way that your breath was, you know, speeding up and your heart was racing. Like that was telling, that was your body telling you that you were at a growing edge. You know, you were at like an outer limit of your experience. So rather than adding that layer of, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. This shouldn't be that hard you know, I would, I would want you to just be really gentle with yourself that yes, for whatever reason, this is hard for you. You have not had experience you had not had experiences up until that point of setting that kind of boundary in that way. Therefore it was hard. So that's the first thing I want to say is like, because I think this, this boundary stuff, you're right. It is everywhere. Um, we're talking a lot about it, which I think is exciting. I'm so glad that we are, but it can open us up to feeling badly about ourselves that we're having a hard time with it rather than just being really curious about it. And I think that the other thing about how much we're focusing on boundaries right now is we can start to think that there are absolute right and wrongs and there really aren't boundary decisions have to do with like what's happening in this relationship right now. And something that might have been a yes for me a year ago is a no for me right now. And actually what makes it even harder is that a year from now, it might be a yes again, but based on where our relationship is, given the context for right now, my truth is that I'm a no. So that's, I think sometimes when we're talking about boundaries, we want like 
hard and fast rules, like three steps towards healthy boundaries. When in reality, it's so like, there's so much because a boundary basically is the space between me and you, right? A boundary marks the space between what's me and what's not me. And so, so for me to articulate a boundary is for me to check in with myself and see what I have capacity for, and then say to you, you know, actually, I'm not going to be able to meet you up for a drink tonight, or I'm not going to be able to take on that part of the project that you want me to take on. So a boundary is about checking in with ourselves and then communicating to the other person. This is what I'm needing. This is what I'm not needing. And here's why. All right. I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in-store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, so I've been saving on shopping this year by only buying new clothes when I've sold some clothes that I no longer wear. And what this has done is it's forced me to be super wise when I'm adding clothes back into my closet. I want to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and that's where Quince comes into play. You can go see for yourself all the awesome stuff they have, especially for summer right now, like European linen dresses and blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, 14-karat gold jewelry, so much more. And if you're like me, you're like, hmm, this just seems too good to be true. Well, what Quince does is they partner directly with top factories, and they cut out the cost of the middleman, and they pass the savings on to us So we are getting things for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. For example, I'm literally looking on their website right now at this open knit cover-up maxi dress that'll be great for the summer, 100% organic cotton, and it's $49.90. It could retail for $148, so that's 66% savings. And with warm weather here, you need to check out Quince. All you got to do is go to quince.com slash Amy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Amy. You're going to get free shipping. Again, 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash Amy. I don't want to waste my time taking vitamins that aren't really going to do much for me. Like I want research. I want to know like, hey, this is actually doing something for my body. And Ritual knows this. That's why they conducted the research. They've done clinical trials on their Essential for Women 18-plus multivitamin. The results, well, it increased vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. And as a woman, I want healthy vitamin D levels and omega-3 levels. And all I got to do is take my Ritual 
essential for women 18 plus multivitamin every morning. I take them on an empty stomach, but sometimes if I forget, I may take them in the afternoon. It's really up to you when you want to take them. There's nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules. And what the delay release capsules does for us is it optimizes our body's absorption of these nutrients. It's gentle on the empty stomach. Like I said, I can take it first thing in the morning and I'm totally fine. And with a minty essence in every bottle, it actually makes taking your vitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual is essential for women. 18 plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash four things. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash four things for 25% off. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. Let's just walk someone through a, a boundary conversation, but I guess any tools to keep it non-confrontational or keeping it kind and so things don't escalate mm-hmm. at all. Because I feel like sometimes who you're having the conversation with, if they don't understand where you're coming from or they're affected or impacted by it, then you might be met with some resistance and then things get taken the wrong way. Because the truth is, I've had boundaries set on me. And yeah, it doesn't, if you don't have a clear picture or understanding, or you're willing to see where the other person is coming from, you can get defensive and feel you're the one affected. That's right. So how, how do we have a kind boundary conversation so that it doesn't lead to any confrontation? So let's, so if I was needing to articulate a boundary with you, and I wanted to do it in a way that would kind of reduce the chances of it being confrontational, I would want to like lean in with some vulnerability and say, Amy, you know, you asked me for help on this project and you mean a lot to me. I know there have been so many times where you have shown up for me. I want our relationship to stay in a good place, but my worry is if I say yes, it's going to actually negatively affect our relationship. I'm going to feel resentful. I'm going to feel burdened. And I'm worried about then like that being in the space between you and I, like, that's not good for us. So I'm going to say, I'm going to be a no on this. And I appreciate you asking me, I'm worried about you feeling rejected or taking it personally. And it's not personal. It really is about me checking in with myself and my own capacity. And I just don't have it in me right now. So in that description, I'm giving you a lot of insight into like my own process. I value our relationship. I'm concerned about hurting your feelings and I don't have capacity. It's and ultimately the bottom line to any boundary is it's not good for us. I value us too much 
to say yes when my truth is no, because I know darn well that saying yes to you is going to actually, it's going to maybe solve the moment, right? Because you'll be happy with me. So it solves the moment, but it actually sets the stage for longer term resentment. And that's not good for our relationship. I really, I value you so much that I, I want to be clear about what I can and can't offer you so that we can stay connected. I love that example so much. I feel like that was so clear for anybody listening as a way to begin that conversation, whether it is a work project like the example you gave, or it is in a romantic relationship or a friendship request or, you know, some other person in your life. These are healthy conversations. And then my hope would be once you start to, if these conversations are new to you, then you know, the more you have them, like we're exercising that muscle, the easier that they'll get. But in those relationships with those people, they'll feel comfortable to do the same. And there's that reciprocity of everybody Mm -hmm. taking care of themselves. Yeah. I loved that. I I feel like I needed that example probably last year. So I'm like, dang, (laughs) she said it really, that would have been perfect. Why didn't I say it that way? Because I mean, yes, it is. There's this fear is fear totally. of, you know, what are they going to say? And then what are they going to think? And I don't want to let them down. And mm-hmm. it's just a whole, yep. boundaries are hard. <laughs> boundaries are really hard. And I think saying, saying the scary part out loud, like, I'm so afraid to let you down. I hate letting you down. And, right. And this is what I have to do. What, I mean, any conflict in a relationship is difficult. And I saw you had put up a post on Instagram about handling conflict and like the difference between walking on eggshells and then handling with care. It makes me think of a cute quote my daughter uh, said to me, we adopted from Haiti and they've been here a little over four years. But when she first got here and she was learning English and kind of getting all the sayings together, she was telling me about an experience she was having. And she's like, you know, I don't know. I just feel like I'm walking on my tippy toes all the time. And (laughs) I know that she was trying to say walking on eggshells Uh (laughs) because she had probably heard that somewhere. But I was like, you know what? Walking on your tippy toes works just fine. Very similar, very similar feeling. (laughs) The situation. So, you know, what is the difference between handling with care and walking on eggshells? Yeah. So walking on eggshells is that feeling that it's just, it's an exhausting feeling to have in a relationship, right? It's that sense of like, if I say the wrong thing, we're going to move from being connected to being disconnected. And as again, our default setting, we're such relational creatures. We want to feel safe and connected to the people that we love. And so that feeling of walking on eggshells is actually a symptom that something in the space between us is off. Because what it, what it tells us, what my feeling of being on eggshells with you tells both of us is that something has gone awry in the space between us and I don't feel safe. I'm afraid of your reactions. And so that symptom is one that invites us both to do some working on it, right? Because maybe, maybe I'm not giving you enough credit, right? Maybe you can actually handle a lot more truth and feedback than I think you can. But maybe you have shown me time and time again that you actually do get really defensive or you retreat or you retaliate. And um, and that's a dynamic that we ought to address together because it's going to erode safety and connection. If I have repeated experiences of 
trying to bring something up with you and you deflect or you dismiss or you get mad at me or you shut down or you go silent for days. That's just not going to be good for our relationship. So that's what walking on eggshells is. And the handling with care is if I need to bring something up to you about whatever, something you did that hurt my feelings, but I also know that you are really hard on yourself. And if I bring this up to you, you're going to, you know, you're at risk of spiraling into like a whole thing about how you're a bad person. There's a responsibility on me to bring it up in a way that is really gentle. That says, Amy, you are a deeply, deeply good woman. And I adore you. And I'm here for our relationship. And I also need to bring up something that you said that hurt my feelings. Will you let me know when you're available for a little bit of feedback? That's handling with care. I have been so guilty of getting defensive in those moments. And it is never my intent. And even when it's happening, it's almost like I I hear myself doing it. And I'm like, (laughs) why do I feel the need to say out loud and justify my actions right now? Why can't I just receive the feedback and say, thank you for sharing that with me? And then I could process it myself. That's definitely something I've been working on. And I don't know where it is in me that I immediately want to, and not in a, not in a rude way. And I guess maybe I gotten defensive, but I guess another thing I I'm very self-aware that I do is again, like I said, that justification, like I try to dig deep into my past, I guess, because I am doing so much work right now and therapy that I'm like, okay, well, there's got to be a root here. And I'm sure there's a reason why I did that. And then I try to dissect like in that Mm -hmm. moment, why I behave that way and why I must have done that. And you know, where that in my life that stemmed from. And it probably was when I was 12 and this happened and then, you know, and then that's not necessary. And then of course it seems, you know, to the other person in your life, it's like, okay, I don't know that that's the appropriate time. What are your thoughts on that? Cause that's something I've noticed about myself that I want to work on. Yeah. 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 Well, because then what, then the other person feels like you're making a huge deal out of it maybe or no, cause it's okay if it's a big deal. I don't yeah. know. I guess it depends on the topic or the relationship or who the person is and what, what the mm-hmm. content is. But I guess it, they're the ones that had what they wanted to share. Yeah, and then yeah, it right. takes away from that. Me trying to be like, but, but, but this is why it's almost yeah. like a, but like, you mm-hmm. know, how in conversations, sometimes you shouldn't say, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just curious, mm-hmm. like in these conversations, yeah. Because uh, I would say over the last year and a half with multiple people in my life, I've had really honest, meaningful conversations. And I'm thankful for the friends that will do that with me. But obviously with that comes a lot of learning. And what I'm learning about myself is that that's kind of been my response. And I don't want it to be seen yeah. as me being defensive or, again, trying to justify myself. I just want to... I want to hear it and I want to take it in and I want to show my appreciation, but I don't know. Maybe it's not bad if I'm trying to dissect it with them. I, I, I well, don't know. I hear, but I hear what you're saying because what it does then is like your friend has brought something to your attention. And so your friend in the moment needs like that relational first aid of you saying, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I said that I can, you know, tell me more. How did it make you feel? What do you need from me? Right. So in that moment, what your friend is wanting is the spotlight on them, on their hurt feelings, on their confusion, on their sadness. So I hear you that if you immediately go into, 
oh my gosh, why did I do that? What does it mean? What happened when I was 12? If you go into that, it does. The spotlight really is staying on you. Mm -hmm. Um, And then your friend may even go so far as to feel like they need to make you feel better, right? Like, oh no, Amy, it's okay. I know you're a good person. I know you didn't mean it because if you're getting sort of taken away either with self-reflection or with shame, because that's very often what happens, right? Defensiveness is often the byproduct of shame. When we know we've hurt somebody that we love and we care about, we can get so hard on ourselves and we can feel so badly about ourselves that then we can kind of spiral. And if we're doing that, we aren't able to provide that relational first aid of, oh my gosh, that must've hurt. I'm sorry I said it. What do you need from me? Is there anything else you want me to understand about it? But that's, that's you know, it's hard. And I think both, both parts need to happen. Like if my friend gives me feedback, I agree that the first first order of business is for me to try as best I can to stay present to my friend and tend to their hurt feelings and what they need from me. And the other part is important too, which is for me to take that opportunity to reflect on what's going on inside of me that led me to the thoughtless comment or the impatient response that hurt my friend's feelings. So both the things need to happen, but I think it's a step one, step two. And step one really has to be the relational repair, the relational first aid. I mean, in my 40s is when I'm learning some of this stuff. And it's almost as though I wish that in high school there was relationships 101 or something. And I don't, I have some friends that are just so, to me, it seems naturally healthy with this sort of stuff. And it's probably unfair for me to say naturally, because, you know, I don't know, I haven't asked, like, maybe they did the work in their 20s, maybe something Mm -hmm. happened that forced them to really get into this. And maybe that's why they're healthy, or maybe their parents were exceptionally healthy. And this is how they were raised. And they have that as their core. Yeah. And I just, I didn't grow up with this type of communication yeah. or just back to the boundaries thing, healthy yeah. boundaries, a handling conflict. A lot of stuff was just brushed under the rug. Never really had deep conversations with either of my parents. They're, they were divorced. My dad literally ignored everything. It's my, I was talking about this with a friend the other day, how my dad was like so awesome, like so awesome. <laughs> I loved my dad. Both of my parents have passed away. But like, actually, (laughs) and I would say this to him, I'm not even talking about him behind his back now that he's passed on. I would say this to his face now. I'd be like, dad, what the heck? (laughs) What were you thinking? You didn't ever like address anything with us at all whatsoever. I mean, I remember one time we were, I think we were raised by the same dad. Were we? I I I had that dad too. (laughs) One time trying to have a, a conversation about something. I know that I was in college because I remember the house my dad was in and I was trying to bring something up and he was watching golf. Mm-hmm. And I literally don't even think he heard, he didn't hear me. And then I was too scared to bring it up again and say, did you hear me? Yeah. But it's like, I was talking and nothing if he had mm. on sports, but maybe that was his way of being like, I don't know what to do. So I'm watching sports and you know, yeah. I'm sure depending on how he grew up in his family right. dynamic and what it was That's like. Right. So I have, I have compassion for that, but it's just yeah. interesting when you back to the relationships, I would really like for this to be a course in yes. high school when we're developing in those teenage years, when we're learning about ourselves and feeling different things. I'm like, this should be required. 
All right, I want to tell you about something really awesome that Macy's is doing. It is currently Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, online and in-store. For the entire month of May, you can join Macy's in supporting AAPI-owned fashion brands. Plus, you can help support college access and student success when you donate online or simply round up in store to APIA scholars. Now, APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. And Macy's has made it super easy. You can just round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA Scholars, which is an educational nonprofit. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Again, that's Macy's.com. You're going to be doing some shopping anyway. Why not round up and give back? That's Macy's.com or in-store. All right, if you want to look cute and feel comfortable at the same time when you're, you know, at a festival or a concert because it's festival and concert season right now, it's got to be all about the boots. And Tacova's boots is where it's at. That is your stop before attending your next concert. I've loved my Tacovas anytime I wear them or I get a new pair. They feel comfortable on the first wear. I don't have to break them in. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. And all Tacovas boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition, which is super cool. They've got timeless styles that are always on trend. And really, you just got to stop by your local Tacova store, try them on for yourself, and see what I'm talking about. You can have a complimentary drink while you're there, shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized, which I love. And they've got regular live music and events. There's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about the incredible work being done by St. Jude Children's Research Hospital and ask you today to join me in becoming a partner in hope. When you make a donation to St. Jude, you're helping an organization that has helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And I can tell you from personal experience, that number and the hope that it brings is invaluable. What they are doing at St. Jude is making a huge difference. It is full of joy there, which a lot of families need at that time. They don't need to be worrying about travel, lodging, food. Everything is paid for at St. Jude so that families can focus on their child that has cancer. Your support means families never receive a bill from St. Jude. It's only $19 a month. And when you sign up, you'll get the new This Shirt Saves Lives shirt. Join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. A friend was over for dinner the other day and, you know, we were just making conversation around the table, asking questions. And this friend said to my daughter, like, hey, what's something that makes your mom happy? And her response without missing a beat was clean countertops. Wiping down the countertops is a simple way for me to reset, especially when the smell is just right. And by smell, I'm talking about coconut. Coconut scented Clorox Sentiva is my go-to. And I personally love that she answered that without hesitation. That means she knows me well, and that's really special. And 
of course, yeah, I do love clean countertops. I love wiping them down. I will always choose the smell of coconut over anything. I don't know what scent matches your vibe, but there's coconut, there's grapefruit, there's lavender. And again, for me, it's always going to be coconut. My kitchen smells like a little tropical vacation when I use it. And I love that with Clorox, I know I'm getting a really good clean as well. So it's a powerful clean and a refreshing scent. Clorox Sentiva cleans like Clorox and feels like confidence. You can get yours now at a retail store near you. Well, you know that a huge part of my career has been for the last 21 years, I've been teaching a college class called, I mean, it's called Marriage 101, but really it's relationship. It's, it's relational self-awareness 101. And this is all the stuff that we do for 10 weeks. And for some students, it's interesting. Some of my students, you know, who, whatever, so their, their parents got divorced when they were 12. So they started therapy, you know, in middle school or high school. So for many of them, the stuff that we're talking about in class, the stuff they've been, they've known since they were 14 or 15 years old, but for lots and lots of students, like this is their first emotional literacy, their first conversations about sex, their first conversations about how relationship dynamics happen, their first exposure to boundaries. And, you know, thank goodness, right? Because they, they go on then and they get to have these skills and these frameworks in their twenties and thirties and forties. But you're right. The thing I've heard like a gazillion times over the last 20 years. It's like, why didn't I get to have marriage 101 when I was in my twenties? It would have saved me so much drama. So you're right that, that it is, this is all stuff that by the, for sure, by the time we're adolescents, you know, we could be uh, learning and understanding definitely. And it would save us. I mean, some of it, you know, the hard thing is, is that knowing, you know, knowing the stuff and doing the stuff are not the same thing. If my husband walked in right now, he would tell you that I can, you know, I can teach, I'm, I am whatever, a well-respected educator and clinician. And some of the moves I pull in our marriage or in parenting our kids are, you know, a little bit subpar because it's just hard and it's messy. We were um, Todd and I were on a walk yesterday and we were working through something going on with, um, we, we've got a 17 year old daughter and it's, you know, it's just, it's normative stuff, but it's a struggle for me just because I haven't been here before I'm feeling into what does it mean to have this daughter who's about to fly out of the nest and the feelings that it brings up in me and the dynamics of our relationship changing. And I can know everything and, and the frameworks help me. I think I'm moving through it perhaps with more grace and more ease and more awareness than I otherwise would have, but it does not mean that it's not kicking my booty. It is for sure kicking my booty because, because it's about being human and it's about how difficult all the stuff about relationships is. So we, we can't stop it from being difficult, but we can for sure have some tools and some skills and some compassion for ourselves as we, um, as we deal with it. Well, I just love hearing that an expert such as yourself struggles in these areas as well. Like it's bringing me, I mean, I don't love that for you or that you have, but like, (laughs) but it's just, it's comforting to know that you have years and years and years of research and education and educating others under your belt. And Mm -hmm. yet, you know, you still admit that there are hard days and you're still learning, which back to like originally what we were talking Mm -hmm. about, like your, your real you or what that looked like you're you're evolving into who you are this year with a 17 year old daughter and all the different things that come along with that four years ago I became a mother you know last year even just thinking back losing my dad now I'm a both my parents are gone I'm a new person after 
that. And I feel like I need to go back and clarify. Now I feel bad that my dad's somehow listening from above. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, uh, and I'm like, dad, no, no, no. You're, I remember I said loud, you're a good person. But relationships were just, I mean, the proof was in the pudding. Like he was married four times, like yeah. relationship problems, but good dude. Good dude, bad at relationships. <laughs> a hundred and and those two things can be true that you yeah. could make a you could make a list of all of the amazing qualities that you have and all the amazing memories that you have with this man who also was limited in some in some key ways. And you did it. I mean, the way you described it was really compassionate. That you imagine if you were to look up your family tree, if you were to you know kind of map out your family tree and look at who his you know look at your grandparents and the dynamics in your grandparents married. I mean, your my one of my mentors. Dr. Mona Fishbane always says that our parents are our grandparents' kids, right? So your dad was your grandparents' kids. And so whatever limitations or struggles your grandparents had, those came through to your dad and your dad, you know, and so you are, the work that you're doing is sort of transforming those patterns. And I think that there's a way in which it's in honor of your dad, right? Like you are picking up the, your, the torch, you know, and kind of like offering your kids something different than your dad could offer you not that it's better and not that it, but, but just that it's an extension of what you learn from him. You know, you now are rounding out and carrying forward. And yeah, I know I, I feel the same way about my dad, right? I feel confident. He raised me. He did the best he could. He did the best he could with the toolbox that he had. And it was, you know, it was limited in some ways and he was amazing and awesome. And I would give him a big squeeze right now. If I could, I lost my dad too. So I would, you know, take him back in a heartbeat. And yeah, there was, I had to spend quite a bit of time in therapy working on the impact of my relationship with my dad on who I am for sure. And my kids are going to have to spend time in therapy working on, you know, the impact of my relationship with them. How did you get into focusing on relationships as a therapist? When did you know that was going to be your wheelhouse? I mean, I think it, I think it really is. Like I grew up in a family that my, my parents divorced and I had a blended family. And I think when I was little, I saw the big people that I loved in quite a bit of pain. And I was the, as the oldest daughter, I just felt really helpless. I felt impacted and helpless. And I went to college and thought I was going to go to medical school. And then I took a women's studies class and it like blew my mind just looking at relationships and gender and race and power dynamics and how we are socialized, you know, in this culture. And I was like, okay, this is what I want to study for the rest of my life is relationships. And so it has been a magnificent career for me that I, that I get to be a student, you know, again and again and again, and, and keep learning and growing with my clients and with my students and in conversations like this one, you know, it's just, and it's such an exciting time too, because of for all of the, you know, all the ways that we get critical of social media, it's pretty cool that like when I started my career, the only way I could talk to the general public is, you know, if a journalist called or if a TV show called, I could do a spot, you know, on a radio show or a TV show. But now every day I create content, you know, for hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Like that's that kind of access to this relationship content is pretty darn exciting. You know, it just gives us all a chance to up-level our relationships in a way that you really couldn't years ago, unless you were reading a self-help book or unless you were in your own therapy. So that's such a cool time to be talking about relationships. Well, you're really good at what you do. And I would encourage people to check out your Instagram. It's at Dr. Alexandra Solomon. 
And then you also have a podcast too, Reimagining. And I would encourage people to go listen to that if they want to dive deeper into the relationship talk. And me personally, I actually want to go back to college and take your course. So <laughs> well, you know what? Can I, can I enroll anywhere? <laughs> you can roll, you can enroll. I made it into an e-course because of that, because I had that question so many times, like, why can't I take this course? Or how can I take your course? Or can I audit your course? I was like, oh, okay. So I just, I turned it into an, a self-guided e-course that is available on my website. It's called Intimate Relationships 101. And it is, it's a beautiful, I mean, I'm really proud of it. It's 20 something videos and a bunch of handouts, so many resources, so much bonus content. There have been hundreds and hundreds of people around the world who've taken the course and, and yeah, so that you can, you can go back to college. (laughs) Well, it might be, I feel like I did an e-course when I was going through eating disorder recovery Yeah, and it felt like a college course. And I, my friend Lisa put it together as her fork the noise and it was helping you shut out all the noise mm-hmm. around food and body image. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Lisa Haim. But when I took it, I, it was really, I'm in a different space than when I was in college. I feel like a lot of times yeah. I was just taking a class because it was required and I don't even really remember what I learned. But it's it's cool to be at a season of life where you're diving into things because you want to grow or you find it interesting and you want to learn and you want to be better And I found that course to be so impactful that I could see the same thing of signing up for a course like that, that you're offering and just doing it at your own time, your own pace. Mm -hmm. But, and when you're signing up for something out of curiosity like that to grow and learn, like it just hits different. So I don't know that in college I would have been as totally into it, but I'm thankful that you have it as a tool out there now for people. And Uh, I'll link your website in the show notes as well. But before we go, I would love to hear four things that you're thankful for. Do a little four things gratitude with you. If you would share a TV show, a book, uh, a drink, and an Instagram follow for us. Okay. So my TV show is probably one that other folks on your show have uh, have already mentioned, which is Ted Lasso. I'm so stinking grateful for Ted Lasso. We watched it last summer. My brother and his family were visiting and we just savored it. And it was, you know, an eight-year-old all the way up to us grownups. And we all enjoyed it together. That's a beautiful TV show. So Ted Lasso is my TV show. My book, my favorite book of all time is called Americana by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. And it is a beautiful book. I read it years ago and that's my favorite book ever. And then my drink is my daily drink, my Starbucks venti hot tea. And I do it one chai tea bag, one English breakfast tea bag with steamed soy milk because I used to love the chai lattes and I um, wanted to, you know, cut back a little bit on the sugar and the calories. And so I do that one now and it's my favorite. Nice. And then my Instagram follow is uh, Dr. Tama Bryant. She's the incoming president of the American Psychological Association. Uh, I just had her on my on my podcast, an episode that we have coming up in August. And she has a really beautiful Instagram feed and does so much good work in the world. So Dr. Tama Bryant, T-H-E-M-A. Awesome. Well, thank you <laughs> for sharing your gratitude and giving our listeners maybe a show to check out. And yes, I will confirm if you have not seen Ted Lasso, you're missing out. And maybe you're on the fence about getting Apple Plus because that's a whole nother, you know, subscription to add. But I got to say, there's Ted Lasso, there's 
severance, there's truth be told, there's defending Jacob, there's for all mankind. Have you seen that one? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like this is another one you could watch with your family, but it's about if Russia had gotten to the moon first. So oh, it's the, it takes on that storyline in each season. Season two is back in like the 60s or season one, excuse me. Season two is what I'm on now. And I feel like it's like 80s or something. And then season three, I don't know yet. I'm not there, but I don't know which era we get into, but it's really interesting. So there are a lot of shows on Apple Plus that you could check out. This is not an endorsement for Apple Plus, but I know that you got to right. justify when signing up for yet another streaming service. Another thing. That's true. I hear that. I, hear I know. That. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Alexandra Solomon. She was our guest today and on Instagram at Dr. Alexandra Solomon. I'll also have that in the show notes. If there was anything that you missed, it'll all be linked there. And Yeah, your podcast, Reimagining Love, through your website. That's all the different ways that people can find you. (laughs) Absolutely. That's right. That's a great great place to go to learn more. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk relationships with us. Thanks, Amy. It was great. All summer, the best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. All right, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can really make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through things. Now, BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp.com. This festival and concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your stop before attending your next concert. All Tacova's boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tacova's has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink, and shop new styles. If you can't make it to a store, well, just go to tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey, it's Amy here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. And we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. That peace of mind means so, so much for these families. So join me in helping St. Jude in this fight. Become a partner in hope at musicgives.org. That's musicgives.org. 